This week on Myths and Legends, we're back in the stories of the Monkey King. We'll see how, if you're being attacked by bandits, the best solution is always a nice, friendly chat. And how, when fighting a vicious doppelganger, you need to take a moment for a bathroom break. The creature this week is a real-life dinosaur who is just annoying and awful. This is Myths and Legends, episode 349, My Own Worst Enemy. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Okay, so real quickly, in the story of the journey to the West, we follow Xuanzang, the human monk who was tasked with retrieving holy scriptures by the Bodhisattva Guanyin from the Buddha in the Thunderclap Temple in the West. Since the road is impossibly long and dangerous, he was granted four guards, essentially monsters on a redemption arc, for his trip. There was Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, a superpowered monkey who turned against heaven and nearly won hundreds of years prior. He was imprisoned and granted to Xuanzang as a bodyguard, but to control him, Monkey has to wear a golden headband that can tighten. There's also Pigsy, a stinky, appetite-driven pigman for whom intelligence is a dump stat, and Sandy, a dour and indigo sandman. There's also their horse, which is actually a dragon, but who almost never leaves the form of a horse. We will catch up with the party on the road, you know, basically, as always. Monkey, I'm not gonna lie. I'm nervous, Xuanzang said, looking at the mountain ahead of them. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, took a deep breath. It was the third time this morning that Master's reservations had stopped their progress. He heard all about it before. Mountains meant demons, demons meant kidnapping and preparing Xuanzang to be eaten, and then a somehow more traumatic rescue, where the Monkey King, Pigsy, and Sandy slaughtered the demons in front of his eyes. Monkey could tell that this whole trip was beginning to wear on Xuanzang, the monk. It wasn't unexpected. Xuanzang might be a monk, but he was only human. Monkey shifted to a different approach. He said he didn't have any fear. Not because he was a supernatural, near-invincible monkey, but because he had faith. Xuanzang nodded thoughtfully. Monkey continued. They submitted to their faith. Heaven was on their side. They were fated to make this journey. Why even worry about fiends? The answer was, of course, because fiends were everywhere, and they were all in extreme mortal danger constantly, but he didn't say that part. It did seem to help Xuanzang, though, because it used his own identity to prod him along. Monkey didn't really care, as long as they could keep moving. They summited that particular mountain without issue, and... As Xuanzang started to calm down and look out on the rolling fields and villages spotting the countryside that would make up the next several months of their journey, the horse, Yulong, a dragon in the form of a horse, neighed and bolted. Monkey blinked, shaking his head at Pigsy. Really? Pigsy was holding his rake. This was his weapon of choice. It was also apparently what he used to help out and drive the horse that his master was riding. Yulong was like them a repentant former demon, so he could really move. In a moment, he was 20 miles down the road. Then they heard the gong. By the time they made it to Yulong, Xuanzang was hanging from a tree. He was already bloodied, 
What is going on? Sun Wukong screamed. He left Master alone for 20 miles and he finds the man tied up, dangling from a tree. Xuanzang scraped his toes on the ground and turned to face Monkey. This just wound the rope and he started slowly spinning in the other direction. The Tang Monk explained that he had been beset by highwaymen. He tried to tell them he had nothing, but they didn't like that. So they beat him and tied him up as bait. Bait, Monkey repeated. So, 30 spears rose from the grass and also emerged from the trees around them. Probably should have led with that, Master. Monkey did have the money. They wouldn't have to sell the horse like Xuanzang had been worried about, which was good because the horse was actually one of their party members and that wasn't really an option. Monkey pulled out the ingots that had been donated to them on the road, which they then used to donate to people in more need than them. The image of them, the ingots, satisfied the bandits, and one motioning to another, they cut Xuanzang down. As soon as the ropes tumbled off of him, Xuanzang was bravely fleeing for his life. He leapt atop Yulong, pointed ahead of him on the road, and the dragon horse took off. That's east, that's the wrong direction, Monkey cried out. But Xuanzang was already out of earshot. Monkey made to move, but found the bandit's spears crossed in front of him. Monkey called out to Pigsy and Sandy, who had just finished their 20-mile jog. Go catch the horse. Maybe they could avoid losing a whole day here. You'll be lucky to avoid losing your life, Monk, the highwayman sneered. The boss pointed at Monkey, and his goons gave Sun Wukong some of what Xuanzang got. Monkey stood there as the hardest blows the bandits could muster just bounced off his head, arms, and chest. It barely moved his fur, let alone bruised him at all. Sixty or seventy hits later, Monkey, still under the barrage, plucked a needle from behind his ear. Ugh, weakest demons yet. All right, my turn, Monkey said. Just as a refresher, Sun Wukong has a rod that can change size and density. He got it from the Dragon King and he usually keeps it tucked behind his ear. He brought it out and it expanded in his hand, quickly, as in directly through the head of one of the attacking bandits. He managed another hit on the leader before the other 28 broke and ran into the forest. Monkey shook his head. <sighs> These demons. He looked down to the human form that was surely transforming into an animal or demon, as they all did when they died. Except this one wasn't transforming back into his original form. It was staying human. So was the leader he hit. Monkey nudged them with his paw. Come on, change, change back. After a few minutes, when Sandy and Pigsy returned with the horse and Xuanzang, Monkey began to worry that he had made something of an error here. What are those? Xuanzang pointed at the corpses as he got off the horse. I'm pretty sure now that they're not demons. Xuanzang was horrified at the, quote, bean curd of the bandit's heads on the ground, which, yikes, and he retched. Get your rake. Start digging, Monkey demanded of Pigsy. They had to bury the bodies. Monkey rolled his eyes at the funeral service. Ah, oh, seriously? These were the people that were responsible for Xuanzang spitting up a tooth just now. They were going to kill the group. 
But no, Monkey was the bad guy for accidentally killing two of them. He had tried to explain, but Master just shot a step aside ape head, as he actually says in one translation, and got on with the funeral. Monkey actually was offended by that. He was a monkey, not an ape. Monkey heard Xuanzang say at the funeral, quote, Noble ones, when you file suit, file it against Pilgrim only. The other two had nothing to do with this. Okay, that's too harsh, Monkey interrupted the funeral speech. If it wasn't for Pigsy trying to help and scaring the horse, or Xuanzang fleeing in terror, he wouldn't have been in that situation. He was tasked with protecting Xuanzang, and look, no more bandits! They all fled! The party was welcome for that, by the way. Xuanzang shrugged. He didn't know why Monkey was getting so worked up. He only wanted Monkey to appreciate the reverence of life and become a more virtuous person. He was sorry that that made Monkey so angry. Monkey showed his respect for the bandits by thwacking their graves a half a dozen times before stomping off, saying that they should find a place to stay for the night. so far the man in the village shook his head in disbelief no yeah we we know Xuanzang had just given his whole talk to the villager about how they had come from the tang empire with hopes that the four of them could sleep with the roof over their heads that night the fact that they had traveled so far was not something Xuanzang wanted to rehash at 11:30 p.m on an empty stomach because literally everyone they talked to was so amazed by how far they had traveled sure you can stay the old man said wait you said we, though. There are more of you? At that word, three sets of eyes opened, glowing in the darkness. First, the teeth and snout, dripping with goo. Then, the indigo sand slithered and took form. Finally, the muscular, brutal form of monkeys stepped forward and... Thud. The villager fainted. Why'd you guys do that? Xuanzang said, stepping past the farmer. What? You asked us to stay back, so we did. We heard him say yes, Sun Wukong whined, helping the master heft the man. Yeah, but you can't emerge slowly from the shadows like that. It freaks people out. Also, pigsy blow your nose, Xuanzang said. Anyway, he said yes, so they should just, like, put him to bed, I guess? Oh, hi, your husband said we could stay here, Xuanzang said to the man's wife and his five-year-old son. He's not dead. Probably. We're the good guys, Monkey smiled. The child shirked from him. They laid him down in the thatch hut, and he slowly came to. When the villager regained his senses, he screamed out that monsters, monsters were here. Where was his son? Xuanzang clasped his shoulders. Nope, nothing to worry about. They weren't monsters. They were reformed demons and his disciples. They were harmless. Mostly. Probably. The man must have been a little concerned by all of that qualifying, but might have figured out that the travelers were already in the house and it was worse to anger them than it was to just be a good host for the night. So he sat them down to a vegetarian meal. They got to talking, and Xuanzang learned that the five-year-old was in fact not the 70-plus couple's son. Xuanzang was pretty sure he understood how all of that worked, but it was still a bit confusing. The five-year-old, though, was their grandson. Oh, is your son here? We'd love to meet him, Pigsy smiled. Bring him here, now. I want to meet him. I want to be so kind. Smell him, maybe. Take him out to a fun day at a carnival. Friendship is wonderful. Pigsy, Xuanzang cut him off. 
He apologized to the couple. They were still teaching pigsy manners and the appropriate level of intensity, which is almost no intensity in polite conversation, pigsy. The couple exchanged a glance. They actually didn't know where their son would be. He did not lead a good life. He was a ruffian. Their son had fallen in with a gang of bandits. Pigsy said, oh, wait. Xuanzang looked to Monkey, who plucked a hair that turned into a fly that flew into Pigsy's mouth. Nope, family business, not their concern. And it wasn't, until about four in the morning. In the barn, Monkey put a hand over Pigsy's, Sandy's, and Xuanzang's mouth. He could grow extra hands when needed. Another hand put a finger to his lips. Hands five and six started packing, and seven itched aside. He had just a little bit of lice. Sandy shifted his mouth down a bit. What's up? Monkey said that they'd been found. From the house, they heard what sounded like 28 men. Monkey heard them inquire about the horse. The horse that matched the one from earlier that day with the monks who had killed their leaders. Monk, Xuanzang corrected with a whisper and narrowed eyes. There was the sound of footsteps on the ground and Monkey drew his staff with an eighth arm. The door to the barn creaked open. It was the father. They think you did something terrible. My son and his gang are out for blood. You must leave if you value your life, the father said. He had brought the horse. Monkey had finished packing and sucked up all eight arms back into himself before realizing that he still needed at least two of those. When Xuanzang was safely atop the horse, there was a shout. The old man, he was helping them. They were in the barn. Monkey told them to go. He would cover their escape. Monkey, just frighten them. Don't kill anyone. Xuanzang warned, as the trio galloped and ran down the road. We'll see how Monkey follows his master's advice, but that will be read after this. Resolutions? That time already. Well, one of ours is to sit down and eat dinner around the table as a family consistently. I love this idea, and maybe it's your goal too. But what about those really busy days? Like, what then? This year, we are turning to HelloFresh's lineup of quick and easy meals, especially their 15-minute recipes designed to help minimize mealtime stress. It will literally make our resolution possible. We've started it already. I believe I heard the words, why don't we eat like this all the time? Well, kiddo, we can. We are. Crispy falafel with pistachio couscous, sizzling steak taco bar, fig and prosciutto pita pizzas. With HelloFresh, we're eating better than ever before. And all three of those recipes took us only about 15 minutes each. We cook together. We're saving time. I am a huge fan. And it's not just dinner, not just lunch. HelloFresh knows breakfast matters too. That's why they're giving subscribers free breakfast for life for life. I will totally wake up early for that. The decision is easy. Go to hellofresh.com slash mythsfree and use the code mythsfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash mythsfree with code mythsfree. A half hour later, Monkey jogged to catch up with the group. Wow, that turned out to be hairier than anticipated. Those guys were persistent. Good news, though, 
he managed it without a single fatality. What? Xuanzong shook as he pointed to the, the, the thing in Monkey's paw. What? It's my back. Oh, that's a human head. Monkey held up the dripping human head. Ooh, well, it had gotten a little crazy, and Monkey did pull his punches, but in his defense, he was used to fighting demons, so could he get another warning? The bandits were probably more eager than they should have been when Monkey obliterated the chest of one of their own with a touch. In fact, the story is pretty graphic. Monkey, used to fighting demons and fallen heavenly creatures, didn't realize how fragile the human body was. Those he merely bumped exploded into a fine mist. If he accidentally ran into them, several shattered bones. If his fur brushed them, he tore their skin. He tried, but he couldn't help but win. To be real, I don't even know how I got this one, he said, of the villager's son's head. Why are you still holding that? Xuanzang shrieked. Monkey nodded. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gross. He tossed it in the dirt. Don't do that. Uh, hold the head. Don't hold the head. How am I supposed to know what you want, master? Monkey sneered. Xuanzang, disgusted at his disciple, shook his head. He didn't reply to Monkey. He, he spoke, but he didn't reply. Master began reciting the spell. Sun Wukong wanted to change. He did. But change is a process, and, you know, sometimes monsters backslide and massacre a whole bandit troop. Xuanzang, the master, did have a nuclear option given to him by heaven itself, a way to control Monkey when any appeal to reason or reform couldn't turn him around. Every depiction of Sun Wukong should be wearing a golden headband, a fillet, as the story calls it, that he cannot remove. Xuanzang had the ability to tighten it, putting the unkillable Monkey King in indescribable pain, making it feel like his skull was being crushed because, for all intents and purposes, it was. This went on for what felt like an hour when Xuanzang finally relented. Monkey realized that he was on the ground. That man took us in, fed us, and you killed his son. Xuanzang raised his hands as a warning that he could recite the spell at any moment. Monkey, on the ground, writhing, said the sun watched more than a few people die. They all did, and they still kept coming. If a person picks a fight with a lightning bolt, the lightning bolt can only go so easy on them. Xuanzang wouldn't hear it. This was it. It was obvious that there was no redemption for Sun Wukong. There was no goodness in him, or if there was, it wasn't strong enough to stand up to the monster. Monkey was no longer to guide them to the west. He was a lost and evil thing. Go. Monkey shook his head. How could... Xuanzang started his spell again, and Monkey, unable to withstand another admonishment, leapt into the air. He was gone. Monkey hung in the air, watching the trio with the dragon horse for a long while. He knew the woods and trails were teeming with bandits, monsters, and demons, but he had to tell himself that that wasn't his concern anymore. He had languished for hundreds of years under a mountain, dreaming of the day when he would be free. Truly, unless heaven itself wanted to come after him in force, 
he would be able to stay free forever now. He wouldn't have to listen to that sanctimonious monk or the oppressive rulers of heaven. And yet, he didn't want to return to his old life. He thought about going back to the Flower Fruit Mountain, where he had reigned as king for centuries, but why? So he could be the demons that he fought? So he could stay as he was forever? He wanted to be more, be better. He had started this journey, and he didn't want to leave this path, though he now walked it without a guide. His cloud traveled to the great southern ocean, to the Bodhisattva Guangyin, the one who had initiated their quest and who also bailed them out of trouble kind of a lot. He bowed as she explained that the Tang monks strove to do everything virtuously, and he didn't take lightly even one human life lost. Monkey had the powers of the heavens. If he used it to kill demons and monsters, that was to his merit. Why would he use it on mere humans? Monkey, his forehead in the dirt, said he understood. He did something wrong. He just couldn't comprehend why his master, his, well, his former master, had reacted so harshly to just a couple mistakes. Was he never to make a mistake? Was growth just to be a perfect straight line all the time? Monkey shook his head. It didn't matter, though. It was over. There was no way he could continue with his master. And sadly, without him, there was no way for them to keep going on the journey to the West. Then... Monkey got an idea. He rose and looked at the Bodhisattva. He had to go. Stop eating junk, Xuanzang said, finally resorting to jerking on the reins of Yulong, the dragon horse, who was now just completely ignoring him and veering from the path to eat brush. You're not even a real horse. Why are you being bad? It's a bit much, Pigsy said. You should really rein him in. Oh, uh, don't help or anything. Xuanzang was now completely in the tall grass. Just stand around making puns. Yeah, you're right. I don't want to go horse, Pigsy laughed, but then saw his master was actually being sarcastic. He, well, he didn't know anything about horses. That was all banned horse plague, a monkey. Horses loved Sun Wukong. Yulong neighed. You're not a real horse! Xuanzang snapped. Sandy stepped forward. Don't be sad, I'll see what I can do. A purple smile formed. Get it? Sad all? Saddle? Huh? Xuanzang shook his head. Okay. He slid down from the saddle. That was it for today. They should just set up camp. Pigsy and Sandy looked at him. Well, set up camp, Xuanzang commanded, and took out some of his travel scriptures. He looked up at the Sandman and the Pigman, still standing there. Monkey usually gave the orders. Oh my gosh, how many times have you done this? Would a Buddhist monk in the 7th century really say, oh my gosh? Sandy thought out loud. Just do what you do. Every time we camp, Xuanzang sat back as the two went to gather firewood and root vegetables, and Yulong trotted off to graze. Master, I have water for you, Xuanzang heard a few moments later. Oh, thank you, monkey. Then he froze. Monkey, he told monkey never to return. 
He raised his hands, but Monkey raised his first. He brought the iron rod down on Xuanzong's head. He sneered, wiping the blood off his rod. He grabbed the bags and mounted a cloud. Master is dead, Pigsy cried. He wasn't. Sandy studied the breathing, groaning form of Xuanzang. I, I don't think he is. He just seems badly injured. That's a dead body, Sandy. You need to let go. Attachment and all that. It's bad. Did you pay attention at any of his lessons? Xuanzang groaned. Pigsy, I am not dead. Pigsy wailed. It was like he could hear Master's voice from beyond the grave. Okay, we are not. We're not doing this bit. Sandy propped Xuanzang up and gave him some water. Who attacked Master? Was it the bandits Wukong antagonized? No. It was Wukong. Xuanzang sat back, shaken, with dried blood on his temple. Xuanzang told them of the attack. Then he sat up. Monkey stole their clothes? The Sha monk paced back and forth. Monkey was a handful when he was pulling his punches. They had all lost to him at one point or another. If he was unhinged enough to assault their master, he might go for blood. Xuanzang still wasn't well enough to stand, let alone recite the fillet-tightening spell in enough proximity for it to do any good. Besides, if he started again, Monkey might just outright kill him. No, they couldn't take Monkey on but they knew someone who might be able to rein him in, the Bodhisattva Guanyin herself. First, though, he would go to the Flower Fruit Mountain and see the vengeful, crazed monkey king for himself. We'll see just how far monkey has fallen, but that will, once again, be right after this. This is our travel rescript, my minions, Sun Wukong said to the assembled, shrieking, cheering monkeys of his kingdom. One indigo, sandy monkey in the crowd shook his head. That wasn't monkeys rescript outlining their whole mission that we won't go over here. That was Xuanzang's. Then Sandy gasped. As the realization hit him, so did several angry monkeys. Turned out that he really stood out among them, and the monkeys dogpiled him. Soon, they subdued the Sandman and dragged him before Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. What are you doing? Sandy shouted. Attacking Master, rebelling against Heaven? Go home, Sandy. You're out of your depth, Monkey said. And the little monkeys released him. I didn't attack Master and return here to rebel. I did so because you're in your own way. And now, you're in my way. I am going to the West and I will seek the scriptures. I have a new scripture pilgrim. Sandy gasped. That was absolutely ridiculous. The scripture pilgrim was the golden cicada, the Buddha's disciple who didn't pay attention in class and was banished from Spirit Mountain. He was reincarnated as Xuanzang. It had been preordained. Who says fate can't be changed? Monkey laughed. Sandy looked left and right. Everyone? Literally, everyone? It's the definition of the word fate. 
Monkey said, well, maybe the gods were wrong. Maybe he needed to save this world in spite of itself. Team, Monkey called out. And out came Xuanzong, Sandy, and Pigsy, alongside the horse carrying all their bags. Well, it was three monkeys dressed up like Xuanzong, Sandy, and Pigsy, wearing the clothes Monkey had stolen from Xuanzong when he attacked. Sandy grimaced at the monkey monk impersonating him, and, with one hit of his staff, killed the creature where he stood. Immediately, a horde of monkeys climbed over one another to get to the Shah monk, Sandy, and tear him apart. But he was pouring down the flower fruit mountain and calling up a cloud. He fled to the sound of monkeys' laughter echoing through the forest. Sandy made it to the mountain of the Bodhisattva and barely landed before he pushed back her guards and entered the inner sanctum. He bowed low and, without looking up, said they were facing the greatest crisis of their journey. Monkey. He had turned evil. Monkey attacked the Tang Monk, and he was leading a second group to gain the scriptures in the Thunderclap Temple. He... Oh, hey, Sandy. Sandy heard a familiar voice. Shaking, his eyes rose to see... Monkey. Sun Wukong in the presence of the Bodhisattva. Without hesitating a moment, Sandy brought his staff down right where Monkey had been standing. Monkey stepped to the side at the last moment. Sandy brought it down again, and again, Monkey dodged it. What are you doing? Monkey dodged three more blows, with the smallest effort he could muster. What am I doing? What are you doing? You beat me here from the Flower Fruit Mountain to hoodwink the Bodhisattva? Monkey asked, what? What was Sandy even talking about? Flower Fruit Mountain, he had been here for days. He was about to leave to go seek the fillet loosening spell from the Buddha, but Guan Yin stopped him at the last moment. She looked into Xuanzang's future and saw that trouble was coming and that Monkey needed to stay here with her. What was going on? Seriously, Sandy? Sun Wukong looked at the Monkey King of the Flower Fruit Mountain. It was a macaque. It's a completely different type of monkey, Sandy. Like, he looks nothing like me. That golden fillet is, uh, I don't know, construction paper? It's like a Burger King crown. He's obviously a monster from the journey. A monkey that took advantage of my absence to take my form. He looked back. Sandy? Sandy shook his head. Monkey, there there were two monkeys. The macaque tackled Sun Wukong, and the pair rolled. When Monkey pushed him away, Sandy shook his head, pointing to Sun Wukong and the macaque. He didn't know which one was the monkey he arrived with. With, with whom you arrived, Sun Wukong corrected. Also, seriously, Sandy? Are we really doing this? He is the obvious fake. Sandy, he's trying to trick you, the macaque said. I was the one who arrived with you from that place we were just at together. Sandy shrieked. The first monkey is annoyingly pedantic, just like monkey always was, and the second referenced past experiences. He had no idea who was who. Sandy, his reference was extremely vague. He's the obvious imposter, monkey pointed out. The macaque pulled a stick from behind his back. Sandy pointed, watch out, possible monkey, but maybe imposter, he has your slash his staff, 
Monkey said it was a stick. Come on. But that was before he was hit harder than he had been hit in years. Whoever this macaque was, he had some powerful magic. Monkey pulled out his own staff and lunged. Okay, Monkey, uh, I don't know who to help here. Sandy cried as two identical Monkey Kings attacked each other, and he and the little fiends of the Flower Fruit Mountain, Sun Wukong's army, watched, just as confused as Sandy. Help me! He's, He's the, the obvious, obvious imposter. imposter! Both Sun Wukongs cried. Okay, this, this isn't helpful, Sandy gasped. Uh, oh, he actually had an idea. The real Sun Wukong is on a redemption arc. The imposter is going against the will of heaven by trying to retrieve the scriptures on his own with his monkey band of pilgrims. Yeah, yeah that, that tracks. tracks, both Sun Wukong said. So, the real Sun Wukong, follow me to the Bodhisattva Guanyin, Sandy cried out. One monkey dove to follow, and the other caught his tail and swung him back, saying he was the real Sun Wukong. Sandy figured they would fight pretty much the whole way, but still, they would get there eventually, and Guanyin would sort it all out. She always did. Well, I can't make heads or tails of these two, Guan Yan said, as the Sun Wukongs were destroying most of her entryway with their fight. There was some powerful magic here, to be sure, but it's working to mask the one doing it. She could probably find out who the real Sun Wukong was, but it would kill both of them. She said they should run it up the chain of command. Yikes, no, sorry, the Jade Emperor said. He got glimmers of which one was the bad one, but they were jumping around and switching places so much that it was extremely hard to tell. Yama might be able to handle it. A pillar crumbled as one of the Sun Wukongs hit it in the distance. The Jade Emperor grumbled. Someone chased these monkeys out of the hall. Who is causing trouble in our nether region? Yama cried in the darkness of the underworld. In one translation, both monkeys stopped fighting for a moment to stifle a laugh. It means lower region. Guangyan frowned. No, we, we know what it means, right? One Sun Wukong asked another. He was also snickering and nodded. Oh, totally. Then they went back to trying to kill each other. I'm sorry, but I can't help you, Yama said. He gestured to a servant who brought back reams of paper. I thought you had the lives of everyone down here. Also, do you really have paper? Sandy eyed them suspiciously. The earliest extant paper fragment is dated from the Han Dynasty. In China, in 179 BC, the servant spat. Sandy told him, okay, chill out. Also, he knew that the Han Dynasty was in China. He just didn't know about the whole paper thing. Oh, you think? The servant shook his head. Seriously, ignorant. Yama, the king of the dead, said that due to what could only be described as log spam, they no longer tracked monkeys. Sandy was about to open his indigo mouth to ask why, but... Yama continued. Monkey had been doing dangerous, deadly things, well, forever. He had technically died 171 times and led countless monkeys to their deaths. Countless. So the land of the dead didn't track monkeys because doing so was, well, it was torturous. Sandy looked at Guan Yen, who had the exact same idea. They had to go. They yelled out for the monkeys to fight to the above world. Sun Wukong, the real one, was actually getting tired. 
He didn't know who this macaque was, but he was good. Nothing had survived this long in a sustained attack against monkeys since, well, ever? They were standing before Xuanzang, who, though incredulous, understood what was happening. The imposter didn't attack Monkey's former master again, and Monkey, the real Sun Wukong, was honestly happy for the break. For all of about 15 seconds, until Xuanzang started reciting the tight fillet spell. The fillet, his headband, bit into his skin and skull and kept tightening while the macaque just smiled. Monkey sat there, struggling, confused, but understood what the others must be seeing. It isn't working. It's affecting both of them, Xuanzang said at the writhing, shrieking monkeys, right after he finished reciting the spell. While the monkeys had caught their breath, Xuanzang looked at both of them. Then... He had an idea. He was surprised. They had been fighting all day, right? It was odd that Monkey hadn't needed to go to the bathroom. Both monkeys looked puzzled for a moment, until one gasped, tackled the other, and grappling him, leapt into the sky. Xuanzang pointed. That was the real monkey. Guanyin disappeared after the pair. She found them in the western heaven, before the Buddha himself. They just crashed down in the middle of his lecture, about two minds at war. One shook, one bowed. The one who bowed apologized. Apologized for peeing on the Buddha's hand that one time, long ago. The macaque turned in shock and a little horror. Wait, monkey peed on the Buddha's hand? Then an even more horror. He noticed that all of them they could all see him as he was. The Buddha stepped back, and his classroom swarmed the macaque. The monkey turned into a fly, and the Buddha trapped it, harmlessly, under a bowl. He held up a hand, and his students stopped the attack. He lifted the bowl, and Sun Wukong swatted the fly, killing it instantly. Uh, okay, Sun Wukong, really? Wait, was I not supposed to do that? Was that going in a different direction towards reconciliation? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, really. I have to learn not to attack. It's just, it's been a long day. Sun Wukong's shoulders slumped. And you're still learning. Still growing, Monkey heard. Then he looked up. He needed a favor. A favor he knew he didn't deserve. He wanted to know the loose fillet spell. So he could move on. So he could finally be released from the Tang Monk's service. The Buddha sat for a moment, then looked Sun Wukong in the eyes. He won't reject you, Sun Wukong, if you return with a contrite heart. He won't send you away again. Monkey didn't ask for the loose fillet spell again. He bowed before the Buddha and descended back to earth. After he left, the Buddha gave Guangyan a look that said, make sure that's the case, and she beat Monkey in her race to Xuanzang. In the end, she didn't need to convince Xuanzang to take Monkey back. Monkey bowed before Xuanzang, begging his forgiveness and acknowledging his wisdom. Yes, Xuanzang, as a great teacher, realized that Monkey was still on his journey and was still growing. Also, things completely fell apart without Monkey and there were still so many demons on the road ahead. Back with our stuff, Pigsy cried, holding up their luggage and saying that no worries, 
He killed the monkeys pretending to be them. There will be no competition on the road. But I mean, don't do that, Monkey said. Those guys were just innocent monkeys. They would literally follow anyone. Which was why they'd follow you, Pigsy grinned. But seriously, though, please don't kill my people, Monkey said. Oh, but I'm still growing, still on this journey, Pigsy imitated Monkey. (laughs) Schwanzong laughed. Nice, that's what he did, that's how he sounded. Thanks, Master, I've been working on it, Pigsy snorted. It's good and it shows, Schwanzong said as they finished packing and continued down the road. It's just, please don't kill monkeys, Monkey said. He learned the lesson, he understood where this was ending up. Yama doesn't even track them. Sandy informed the group. He was there. They like, they like don't even count. Monkey said, okay, he understood. He killed a human and he had devalued life and now life that mattered to him was being devalued. Lesson learned, guys. Got it. The three monks looked at each other. Yes, that was the point of the conversation. Not them devaluing monkey life. They should go. That's where we'll leave it this week. Next week, it's something else. We're pushing Aries back another week because it's just not ready yet, but it will be. Oh, and real quickly, we wanted to give you all an update on last week's episode. Thank you to everyone who wrote in, voted, and commented all over the place. The made-up story was the middle one, the sticks. The first one, the goose, was from North American folklore. And the third one, the questions, was from Flemish folklore. The middle one was by Carissa, except for one detail that apparently gave everything away. When recording, I was like, oh, these kids need names. It would help drive it home. It would help make the connection. And, well, I gave them very obvious names that did not fit with the story at all. So, you're welcome to everyone who was able to pick it out because of the names. It was really fun, and I think we'll do it again in the future. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a can of handmade, smoked rattlesnake meat, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show that are still available. And yeah, apparently the handmade rattlesnake meat is out of stock, which makes me hope that something didn't go horribly wrong when this person was handmaking rattlesnake meat. For more info on the membership, check out mythpodcast.com slash membership. The creature this week is the Kongamato from Western Zambia in Africa. So I think part of a creature being seen as mythological is how used to it we are. Like how a rhino is an aggressive unicorn if you've only heard about a unicorn and never seen a rhino. Or how the questing beast from Arthurian legend really fits the definition of a giraffe for someone who maybe knew someone who knew someone who saw a giraffe once. Basically, what I'm saying is that dinosaurs exist. Maybe. I don't know. Apparently, in Southern Africa, some places say Zambia, other reports stretch as far as Kilimanjaro, there is something related to a pterodactyl or pteranodon. They're called pterosaurs. These ones have big, leathery wings, red, scaly bodies, and teeth. Descriptions of the creature have been on the books for centuries, with a 1700s version describing the mischief of a creature taking and consuming children, which, (laughs) such mischief, feels like it's downplaying it maybe a little bit, One of them, in 1932, by explorer Frank Welland in his book, Witchbound Africa, which feels like it's coming from a place of several a priori assumptions that should probably be addressed, said that the people agreed on the description, 
said that they hadn't seen anything else that matched any other dinosaurs and were so, so tired of the creature. One of the biggest testaments to this creature's existence, I feel, is that the people just wanted it to go away forever. It overturned boats. It attacked humans sometimes. It dug up corpses and left their loved ones half-eaten. According to Welland, they didn't consider it to be an unnatural thing, just, quote, a very awful thing, which is pretty much exactly how you would react to a species of dinosaurs hassling you and your people. Apparently, descriptions persisted up until 1958, and then, well, maybe they finally went extinct. Not saying any extinction is good, but we've pretty much all seen Jurassic Park. Trying to keep those things in captivity is always a bad idea. They will get out, and take it from the people of the 1930s, they sound like terrible neighbors. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.